Welcome to This Week in Video Games, episode 26. My name's Tom Kershaw, and this is a podcast all about the world of video games. So this week, I've been playing through Blazing Chrome on Inaki and Octopath Traveller. In the news this week, the first Fortnite World Cup is in progress this weekend with British players in the mix up for the $30 million up for grabs. Overwatch reveals a new hero and we'll take a look inside the gamer's brain with neuroscientist Celia Hoden. So it's a packed week. Let's get into it. Welcome to the show everyone. I hope you're well and you're having a good week. I'm good this week, having been home and spent some quality time at home with my parents down by the sea and uh, getting out of the city, having a little bit of a break of the hectic lifestyle. It's also been super hot this week with record-breaking temperatures here in London. On Thursday, we saw the hottest day since records began. And I always wonder when people say that, when were the records created? (laughs) Can't have been that long ago because they always seem to be broken. Anyways, super hot this week. And uh, it's always funny in the UK because normally we're a cool, damp country. We're known for our rain. We're known for our umbrellas. Uh, And when it gets too hot or too cold, everything seems to shut down with the train tracks literally melting in their beds and uh, bending in the heat. And there's travel chaos. There was a huge lightning storm that followed the heat, which shut down a lot of the major airports in the UK. And uh, fair enough, I don't think I'd want to be flying in the lightning either. So yeah, super hot this week. First up, let's have a look what I've been playing this week. So it's been a good week of gaming this week, as I've got my hands on Blazing Chrome. It's a new run-and-gun shooter that pays homage to Contra from the mid-90s. So I'll take a look at a review of that later on, and uh, Onanaki also released a demo this week. And this is a game I wasn't too sure about before, but now, since I've played the demo, I'm really excited about it and can't wait for the full release. To pair with Onenaki, I played through Octopath Traveler on Nintendo Switch this week, and it's something I picked up at launch, but I put it down again. Uh, However, due to Onenaki, it put me in the mood for some JRPG action, and I booted up Octopath Traveler, and mostly enjoyed my time with it, but um, more about that in the review later on. I also checked out a new documentary on Netflix this week called The Great Hack which is uh, all about the Cambridge Analytica scandal, and more on that later on in the show. But first up, let's take a look at the Onanaki demo. Reincarnation is the foundation of our way of life. We celebrate the lives we've been given and offer up prayers for the next. It is grief of death which shackles the living and causes the dead to stray. Indeed, There is no greater affront to reincarnation. So we turn our grief to joy as we send off the dead. But the souls of those who held back their tears in life still need salvation in death. A duty that falls to the Watchers. The Watchers sever the bonds that tie the lost to the... So Onanaki is an action RPG from Tokyo RPG Factory, developers of I Am Setsuna and Lost Sphere, and it's published by Square Enix. It was originally announced back in February 2019 for Nintendo Switch, 
It's coming to PS4 and Steam as well. And it's going to be released on August 22nd, 2019. And the game follows Kagashi, a young watcher who upholds the tenets of reincarnation. So people are forbidden to mourn the loss of loved ones, for grief fills the dead with regret, causing them to lose their way. And a lost soul cannot be reborn, instead it becomes a monster. So as a watcher, Kagachi is the keeper of the living world and the beyond. He moves between both worlds, fighting monsters, saving lost souls and sending them on to their next life. In a battle, you can manifest the powers of the souls he saved called Demon to use their weapons and their skills. And you can switch between using Demons to use the one that best suits you for the situation. So, the demo was released this week on Nintendo Switch and Steam. So, if you're interested in the game, go ahead and download that demo for free right now. If you don't want to download the demo and just check out the first 30 minutes of gameplay, uh, then check out This Week in Video Games on YouTube and I posted up the demo content I played through there. Like I said before, I wasn't sure about this game before, but now i played the demo. I'm really excited for the game, and I'm looking forward to August 22nd when the game comes out. The gameplay is super fun. It's kind of top-down. Um, you battle a number of enemies. And as you'll see in the demo gameplay, it throws you up against a boss in the first kind of 25 minutes, and the boss battles are really, really good. In the gameplay as well, we can switch between the kind of the world of the living and the world of the dead as well. It's, it's a really interesting mechanic, and the game as well doesn't shy from kind of hard topics. Uh, it deals with death and uh, reincarnation, and uh, the idea of the Watchers really kind of um, grabbed my attention. So I'm looking forward to this one. So yeah, Onanaki, super fun. Really, really enjoyed it. And there's a free demo out there on PC and Nintendo Switch. Go and download that demo right now. Next up, let's take a look at Blazing Chrome. So Blazing Chrome is a run-and-gun 2D side-scrolling shooter that's an indie love letter to the likes of Contra and other Konami games of the 16-bit era. So Blazing Chrome is out on Nintendo Switch, Xbox One and PS4 and it's a whole lot of fun. It pays homage to the Contra series that clearly inspired this game with everything from the great 16-bit graphics, excellent music and the feel of the game. At the core, there's the true run-and-gun gameplay. You charge through levels with machine guns that can shoot an unlimited amount of bullets. You run, jump, shoot, go prone. You can also stick to one position and shoot in multiple directions, allowing you to clear out the many oncoming enemies. You start out with a simple machine gun, and you work your way through levels, picking up new gear along the way. With the likes of grenade launchers, laser whips, and a vast array of guns you can use to help to clear your path. There's a good amount of variety in Blazing Chrome in terms of terrain that you have to cross, set pieces you have to face, and equipment that you can use. The levels are varied in their design, as well as the orientation too. One minute, you'll be running through a futuristic warehouse, shooting your way to safety. Next minute, you'll be jumping up platforms, dangling from ropes and other climbing apparatus, and gunning down enemies from above. You can hop into mech suits, which look like something out of Robocop, giving you that extra damage boost that you'll need. 
The game certainly offers up a challenge too. You'll start out a level with five lives and anything that touches you, and you're dead in true mid-90s style. If you lose all your lives, you'll be sent back to the last checkpoint, allowing you to learn and master the oncoming levels. It's not easy, it's always fun, and it gives you that sense of wanting to see the next crazy set piece. Huge robots crash through the background to try and shoot you with their laser vision. Massive alien worm slugs burst through the sand, you get the idea. Fantastic, over-the-top big set pieces and bosses were a trademark of Contra, and Blazing Chrome does not disappoint on this either. The story is pretty straightforward. Militant AI-fueled computers rule the Earth while humans are expendable, lacking power, prestige, or status among their machine overlords. You choose to play as Mavra, the human resistance soldier, or Doyle, the insurgent robot. As part of the resistance, it's your job to drop behind enemy lines on a suspected suicide mission, the story's big, brash, silly, and perfect. It reminds me of Arnie films from the mid-90s like Total Recall or Predator. Silly, but in the best possible way. Blazing Chrome feels true to the era it pays tribute to through the artwork. 16-bit style with layered backgrounds and parallax designs that give it a sense of movement and depth. The game is designed in a 427 by 240 resolution, which is the same size as the retro consoles it's based on. The developers also took the limitations of the retro platforms into consideration with the colour palettes as Joymasher restricted the colours to stay true to the design of the time. The music in the game is bombastic and goes great with the graphics and the over-the-top story. The game is great fun, it's available on multiple platforms and at a reasonable price and could be considered as the Contra sequel that we never got. If you recently picked up the Contra Anniversary Collection and that left you wanting more, then this is an ideal purchase for you. Uh, the game is challenging, it's tough, and it will beat you most of the time, but the mastery to achieve here is very, very satisfying. Throw in the big boss set pieces, the mech suits, and the variety of levels, then you've got a very entertaining game in your hands. I knew little of Blazing Chrome or Joy Masher before I played the game, but I was left with a really good impression. This is a studio who clearly has a passion for retro-inspired games, and their execution here is A-grade. I had a lot of fun with Blazing Chrome, and I recommend picking it up. I played the game on PC, but it's available on all platforms right now. So the game, as I mentioned, was developed by Joymasher. It's available on PC, Switch, Xbox One, and PS4, and it was originally released on the 11th of July, 2019. And I gave the game a final score of 81. And thanks to Joy Masher who provided This Week in Video Games with a review code for the PC. So thank you, Joy Masher. What did you think? Did you play Blazing Chrome? Are you a fan of mid-90s run-and-gun games? Uh, send me an email on podcast at thisweekinvideogames.com or tweet me at TWIVGpodcast on Twitter. Well, that's it for Blazing Chrome. Next up, let's take a look at Octopath Traveller. In the faraway land of Orstera, Eight travelers venture forth, step into their shoes, and explore the realm as you see fit. Eight brave souls, each with a unique talent. Eight lands, eight stories to be told. So tell me, friend, what path will you tread? A man like me knows only the battlefield. Worth only as much as the blade at my side, and the arm that swings it. When that blade fails to save my sworn liege, what does that make me? I will never forget 
three men, foul scavengers, just like the bird whose mark they bear. They took my father from me, and I will never forget. Octopath Traveler is an homage to the 16-bit era of Japanese RPGs, but it's released on modern consoles and PC. It's a tribute to Final Fantasy VI and Chrono Trigger in look and feel, but it's got a new, original and unique story. In Octopath Traveler, you play through eight stories with a cast of characters. Although these characters do occasionally meet each other in their stories, they're independent of one another. Set in the land of Austera, we journey with the eight travellers to uncover stories and solve mysteries. The characters are Ophelia, a cleric of the Sacred Flame whose pilgrimage brings her into conflict with a cult headed by Matthias. Cyrus, a scholar and teacher at the Royal Academy seeking a missing tomb of the dark arts from the far reaches of hell that was stolen by the headmaster Yvonne and his assistant Lucia. We've got Tressa, a merchant who goes on a journey after acquiring a journal detailing a past adventurer's travels. Olberic, a former knight of the Kingdom of Hornburg, seeking purpose after his kingdom was destroyed by an attack by a sellsword named Werner. Primrose, a dancer and former noble, seeking revenge against the Obsidians, a criminal organisation that murdered her father. Alfin, a travelling salesman who's taken up trade after a stranger saved him from a fatal disease as a child. We've got Therion, a thief, tasked by a noble family to recover a set of dragonstones belonging to them. And Hanit, a hunter, tracking the monster Red-Eye after it petrified her mentor. So each character is interesting, entertaining, and has got four chapters to their story. On a playthrough of your second character, you're likely to notice a certain similarity between the one that you played last. And therein lies one of the main issues I found with Octopath Traveller. The stories themselves, they contain different backstories, but you feel like you're stuck in a bit of a Groundhog Day and playing through the same set pieces over and over. The stories themselves are entertaining and varied, albeit feel like something we may have encountered before. There's a familiar feel, without being too original. It's a shame that the stories don't interact more, or the characters don't have to team up in some kind of ultimate alliance to face off the grand big bad. There seems to be a missing piece of the puzzle in the game. Perhaps the door is being left open for future DLC, but it seems to make sense to bring all these disparate stories together. The gameplay in Octopath Traveler is great fun, and it brings its own unique take on battling in this genre. In similar games, you have turn-based combat here too, but the game throws in the break system, which requires timing and skill, as well as knowledge of your character abilities. There's a good amount of variety found in the battles by uncovering and learning enemy weaknesses and deploying your main hero's abilities and skills to ultimately defeat your foes. Tinker and experiment to break your enemy's defence and that will uncover methods of inflicting huge amount of damage to enemies and bosses. There's also elemental attacks and damage bonuses too, so there's lots to learn in the combination of attacks. The battle system is fun with some nice variations. However, I did find myself switching off a little when playing through, wanting to get through to the next level as the combat sort of fell into feeling like a bit of a grind. I wanted to get to the next step to find out what was going to happen, but the battling started to feel a little bit repetitive. The boss battles offer a challenge, but the endless surprise attacks from lowly enemies turned battling into a chore rather than a pleasure. Getting from one section to another felt like work, as sections have recommended levels, and if you're not up to the level, then damaging enemies is going to be tough. The only way to get up to the level is to grind your way to said level, and this definitely influenced my feeling of repetition and felt an unnecessary gate to get past in the game. I would have liked more progression building up to these levels and the game bringing me along with it rather than forcing me to go back and repeat content. 
As well as the battles, there's a lot of exploration, travelling, no, no pun intended there, and uh, side quests in the game. The landscapes are gorgeous, from the snowy mountains and the different villages filled with rich and poor. You've got caves and forests and wildlife. There's no shortage of environments and different places to visit. The map is pretty big too, opening up as you collect different travellers along the way. Side quests can be fairly straightforward. You go and get this item for someone in the forest, or you find this long-lost family member. And these quests help fill in the detail of the world with the NPC. But they do feel quite surface level and don't go in too deep, leaving me wanting more. The side quests aren't too rewarding either, with mainly just money or um, simple items. It feels like a slightly missed opportunity to have a deeper connection with the world and a more rewarding experience both in the story and rewarding for you as the player. To pair with the side quests there's dungeons and other places to hunt enemies and gather loot. When you first look at Octopath Traveller, it may look like a mid-90s JRPG. The game is character sprite-based, but the surrounding environments are beautiful, tilt-shifted and almost dioramas, and they're wonderfully crafted and full of subtle movement and details. The sprite characters are 2D, but they live and travel in a 3D world with painted textures. Altogether, it's one of the best-looking games out there on Nintendo Switch, and uh, the environments, they vary, and so does the texture and the graphical elements to support the falling snowflakes, the rain, the wind and the sand in the deserts. The score to the game is also a masterpiece, orchestral, full of emotion and soaring during battles and triumphs. The lighting in the game is great and it adds to the mystery and the wonder as light streams in through the windows and the glades in the forest bringing subtle, hazy effects into the game. It's absolutely gorgeous. Octopath Traveller is a great throwback to the JRPGs of the mid-90s, but with a modern twist. The game, it looks amazing, and if you like the JRPG formula, then you're going to enjoy this game. For me, it felt quite repetitive and grindy, and overall the story didn't come together in a way that I feel like it should. Gameplay, graphics and music are really good fun, but the grindy nature was a bit of a turn-off. Still, one of the best JRPGs out there for Nintendo Switch, and so... If you like that sort of thing, I recommend giving it a go. The game was developed by Square Enix and it's available now for Nintendo Switch and PC. It was originally released on Switch on June 13th, 2018 and June 7th, 2019 for PC and I gave the game an overall score of 80 out of 100. So what did you think of the game? Send me an email on podcast at thisweekinvideogames.com or tweet me at TWIVGpodcast on Twitter. What did you think of the game? Did you like the eight travellers and their individual stories and the chapters? What did you think about the combat? Did you like the break system? And uh, did you find it grindy and repetitive? Let me know. Send me an email on podcast at thisweekinvideogames.com. I'd love to hear what you thought of Octopath Traveller. So if you're enjoying This Week in Video Games podcast, then head on over to iTunes and leave us a nice review. It really helps get the word out about the podcast. So if you've got access to iTunes, then I'd really appreciate it if you gave us a nice review. And don't forget, This Week in Video Games has a YouTube channel that goes alongside with the podcast. YouTube channel's got the entire archive of the podcast as well as dedicated reviews, interviews and features and a lot of how-to videos as well. So search This Week in Video Games on YouTube and subscribe today for all the latest content. And if you want to see anything specific on YouTube, then send me an email to podcast at thisweekinvideogames.com. It'd be great to hear from you. Next up, let's take a look at the news of the week. So first up in the news this week, Britain wins big at Fortnite World Cup. 
So players from all over the world are competing in the first Fortnite World Cup in Flushing Meadows in New York. And millions are watching online and competitors as young as 12 are taking part. So Epic Games, they've hosted 10 weeks of qualifying and 100 best players have been chosen to take part in the World Cup final this weekend with a total prize fund of up to $30 million up for grabs for players. So we've got more than 30 countries are being represented with 70 players from the US, 14 from France and 11 from the UK. And players are teaming up with players from other nations as well with the finalists of the duos coming from the UK, Netherlands, Austria and Norway. So off the players that are competing, Britain's got some top competitors with Jaden Asman taking second place in the duos yesterday. He earned nearly $1 million by splitting the prize from with his Dutch doubles partner. So congrats to Jaden. That's really, really good work. Emil Pedersen and David W, so Nyrox and Aqua, they came in first place in duos and uh, they took the top prize of $3 million. So we've got Benji, Benji Fishy, uh, David Fish, also from the UK, set to compete today in the singles matches, so good luck to him later on today. So Epic Games has organised a three-day festival around the World Cup event with thousands of fans in attendance. Yesterday we saw the duos in the finals, and today we're going to see the singles finals. Winners of the finals get $3 million, and uh, the Fortnite World Cup represents Fortnite's entry into the world of esports, with the market generating revenue of more than $1 billion in 2019, and this is likely to grow in the years to come. So Fortnite has got more than 250 million players playing worldwide and has become the biggest video game in the world over the last two years since launch. And you can watch the finals live today on Twitch and YouTube from 6pm BST or you can watch in-game. And if you're listening to this uh, after the World Cup, you can go to the Twitch and YouTube channels and catch up on the World Cup finals and see all the Fortnite action there. So congrats again to uh, Jaden and uh, good luck to Benji Fish later on who's competing in the singles. Next up, the gamer's brain and how neuroscience and UX can impact video game design. So game user experience expert Celia Hoden isn't surprised by the global success of Fortnite as this week brings together the top Fortnite players in the finals of the World Cup as we mentioned in the previous story. So there's a total of 30 million in prize money at stake and uh, Celia wants to share her research with us in the gamer's brain. So Celia's got a PhD in psychology and worked extensively with some of the world's most successful titles including Fortnite, Rainbow Six and Star Wars games. So drawing on her vast experience, she's also the author of the critically acclaimed book, The Gamer's Brain, How Neuroscience and UX Can Impact Video Game Design. So experiencing a game happens in the player's mind. The Gamer's Brain thus provides readers with insight into how the human brain learns and processes information, while demonstrating how that plays out in the context of creating potentially multi-million dollar video games. By distilling psychology and cognitive science research, as well as employing real-life industry examples, Celia breaks down the ingredients for successful and engaging video games, empowering game makers to develop their own unique game recipe. You can read more in her recent article, Understanding the Success of Fortnite, a UX and Psychology Perspective, published on uh, Gamer Sutra. And you can find a link to that on thisweekinvideogames.com and just search up The Gamer's Brain. So in a quote from Celia, she said, No one could have predicted the sheer impact that Fortnite would have had on the games industry. From a UX perspective, it shows that applying psychology and developing a UX strategy can resonate to engage and delight players. The gamer's brain outlines this UX mindset by understanding how players experience games by providing actionable insights that work across a wide range of industries. 
The Gamer's Brain is available in English, Chinese, Korea and Japanese with French coming soon and can be ordered online. Additional information on the Gamer's Brain book along with videos of Celia's talks on UX, of Fortnite and about UX as well, AI and dark patterns at UNESCO can also be found on thegamersbrain.com. So brilliant book there from Celia Hoden and I definitely recommend you check that one out. So next up in the news, pre-registration for Pokemon Masters is open now. So DNA and the Pokemon company have began opening pre-registration earlier this week for Pokemon Masters on Google Play on Android and on the App Store on iOS. So Pokemon Masters is a strategy and battling game where players form teams of sync pairs, the combination of a trainer and their partner Pokemon to engage in three-on-three real-time battles against AI opponents. The game takes place in an all-new location, the island of Paseo, where trainers and their partner Pokemon from every known Pokemon region will gather together to compete. Players who pre-register for the game will receive a notification when it launches later on this summer, and it was announced back in May, but coming really soon. Uh, There's also some new trailers available on YouTube, which gives you a better look at the new features, such as we've got an overview of the game's battle system and the progression system. We've got a preview of the story mode, including a look at the Pokemon Masters League, the PML, a tournament that takes place only on the island of Paseo, how to evolve Pokemon in this game and the special powers that come with the evolution, a look at the unique features of co-op play such as the ability to switch between sync pairs during battle, and how to build the perfect team based on each sync pair's strengths and specific roles such as strike, support and tech, as well as how to add new sync pairs to your system. So loads to take in there from Pokemon Masters. If you want to check that out, go to This Week in Video Games and in the search box type in Pokemon Masters and you'll find a link to all those YouTube trailers. And Pokemon Masters is available worldwide on Android and iOS this summer 2019. So next up we've got news of Anthem and it looks like the Cataclysm is coming. As I say, the much talked about Cataclysm is coming to Anthem very, very soon. So Bioware has been pretty quiet as of late, but a few in-game activities point to perhaps the coming storm. Cataclysms were hyped before Anthem's launch as the pinnacle endgame for players and ambitious and challenging content. Players had hoped this would be like Destiny Raids, however we were let down when they found out it would be an 8 week event. Things had been fairly quiet on the Anthem front as there was no sign of Anthem at this year's E3, leading fans to wondering the future of the much maligned looter shooter Anthem. However, last weekend, originally reported by Game Informer, players were greeted to three new free play challenges called the Oncoming Storm. And the mission ran from Tuesday, the 23rd of July, and set players to defeat enemies, finding crystals and competing other events. So crystals have popped up all over the Bastion and the environment is changing. Bioware did discuss the Cataclysm back in May and said the first two weeks of the eight-week event would be setting the narrative for the event. And it will be interesting to see the reaction to the event and Bioware's attempts to breathe new life into Anthem. So next up, Overwatch's new hero is Sigma, and Blizzard have revealed their new hero for Overwatch is called Sigma. It's the second new hero they've unveiled in 2019 following on from Baptiste earlier on this year. So last weekend, the official Overwatch account tweeted game director Jeff Kaplan being sucked into a black hole. So Sigma is an eccentric astrophysicist who was injured when the experiment went wrong. Sigma sustained a serious psychological damage and was deemed a threat to humanity, and locked away in a secret government facility. Sigma's got the ability to manipulate gravity and was freed by a terrorist group named Talon to be used as a weapon. So details of in-game abilities and weapons are light at the moment, but I'll be sure to keep you up to date 
on the podcast uh, when we know more about Sigma in Overwatch. And finally in the news this week, Death Stranding cover art has been revealed and Hideo Kojima revealed last weekend at San Diego Comic-Con 2019 the Death Stranding cover art for the upcoming game this November. So Kojima was part of a master storyteller panel and talked about the upcoming Death Stranding cover art. He revealed the box art for the game, both the uh, regular edition and the special edition. And you can see both editions of that artwork on thisweekinvideogames.com. Just go to the website and type in the search box, Death Stranding. And Kojima also revealed he'd been uh, recommended Keanu Reeves, but actually wanted Mads Mikkelsen. He went on to describe why he thought Death Stranding was different from other games by saying, there's no reason to create something that's already out there. I want to create something that gives more inspiration to the world. Like Hollywood movies where some don't live with you, people just digest and consume. What I do is make something that's difficult to chow down when you digest my work. What happens when I release one of my games or when Nicholas releases a movie, we get criticism or praise. But when you think about it 10 years later, it's just like Blade Runner or 2001 The Space Odyssey. So Death Stranding is uh, planned for release on the 8th of November 2019 and I certainly am looking forward to that game. It's going to be super, super good. Well that's it for the news this week. Next up, let's take a look at the charts. So number 10 this week, we've got Mortal Kombat 11. Uh, That's down three places from number three last week. At nine this week, back into the top ten, we've got Marvel's Spider-Man. At eight this week, um, down five places from number three last week, it's F1 2019. And then back in at number seven, Call of Duty Black Ops 4, and uh, that's been out of the top ten for some time. At number six this week, we've got Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. That's down two places from number four. And number five this week, up four places from last week's number nine, is Red Dead Redemption 2. Number four this week is FIFA 19, which is up six places from number 10. And number three this week, we've got Super Mario Maker 2, which is down two places and has been the number one for the last three weeks. New in at number two this week, it's Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3, The Black Order. And uh, number one this week, Crash Team Racing Nitro Fueled. That's up one place from number two last week. And Crash Team Racing Nitro Fueled doing really, really well in the top ten and selling really, really well. So congratulations to the team behind Crash Team Racing. Well, that's it for the charts this week. Let's take a look at what we've got coming up next week. So coming up next week, on July the 30th, we've got the Blackout Club. That's coming out on PC, PS4 and Xbox One. Uh, Also on the 30th, we've got Mutant Year Zero, The Seed of Evil. That's coming out on PC, PS4, Xbox One and Switch. Uh, On the 31st, we've got a few games. We've got Ace Combat 7, Skies Unknown, the ADFX uh, 01 Morgan DLC. Uh, We've also got Crystal Defense. That's coming out on PC. On the 1st of August, we've got Fortnite Season 10 starting. That's on PC, PS4, Xbox One, and Switch. Then on August the 2nd, we've got a couple of games. We've got Dry Drowning, that's on PC, and Madden 20, that's coming out on PC, PS4, and Xbox One. So that's it for next week, and uh, let's take a look at what I've been doing outside of gaming. And uh, this week outside of gaming, I checked out The Great Hack, and uh, it's a 2019 documentary about the Cambridge Analytica hacking scandal. Uh, so the documentary, it was released on Netflix on the 24th of July, and the Cambridge Analytica scandal is examined through the eyes of several involved people. 
Uh, and this all mixes in um, things like Brexit, uh, the Trump election, and uh, the involvement of Facebook, and uh, the panel with Mark Zuckerberg, and uh, features David Carroll, where he puts in a request in the UK to get his data back from Cambridge Analytica, who eventually plead guilty to it. And it also highlights the role of Brittany Kaiser as well. So if you're at all interested in Cambridge Analytica, and if you're interested in the campaigns for Brexit and Trump and uh, future votes as well, then I definitely recommend checking out this documentary. It's called The Great Hack, and it's available on Netflix now. And yeah, really, really enjoyed it, and it uh, gets a thumbs up from me. Well, that's it for this week's episode. If you want to get involved in the show, then email me on podcast at thisweekinvideogames.com or check out the latest on the website. Send in your questions, your comments, your video game stories. I'm always interested in hearing from you. I'm also available on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube and Instagram. So search This Week in Video Games on your favourite platform and join in the conversation. If you want to support This Week in Video Games, then head on over to patreon.com forward slash thisweekinvideogames. In exchange for supporting the show, you get shout-outs, Discord access, exclusive Patreon content polls, special design podcast scripts and stickers too. If you enjoy This Week in Video Games, then sign up to Patreon. It would be great to see you there. So thanks once again for hanging out with me and chatting about video games. I hope you have a great week and I will talk to you next weekend. But for now, I'll see you soon.